Welcome to Season 2 of The Spotcast. I'm Hilary Kwiatek, your host and Lehigh University's Employee Communications Specialist. The Spotcast is Lehigh University Human Resources' podcast designed to celebrate and share the stories of our staff. This season, we're focusing in particular on staff stories of the coronavirus pandemic. We'll still be learning about our colleagues' careers and life journeys, but we wanted to hear from staff members whose work was significantly impacted by the events of the last year and find out how they were able to overcome obstacles to achieving their goals. We think you'll find these stories inspiring and motivating. We're excited to be back on campus at the digital audio studio in Building C on Mountaintop. So let's see who we spotted today. Our guest today is Brian Slocum, Managing Director of the Wilbur Powerhouse and Design Labs here at Lehigh University. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, and thank you for offering to interview me. Uh, it's my pleasure. Um, I think you have one of the coolest jobs on campus. <laughs> I, I think so, too, but I'm a little biased. <laughs> um, but it's it's an unusual job. I would say there's no one else on campus that has a job like yours. Would you agree Yeah, with I that? would agree with that. It's pretty hard to find a parallel for me on campus. So how... How did you end up in this role? Uh, I, where to even begin? And I think it's a culmination of a lot of things. I mean, my background and my skill sets are so varied and so different. Um, you know, I, I was a student at Lehigh, uh, and so I was both engineering and theater and, and really took to theater design, and I found that to be a really good uh, sort of mix of the things I loved about engineering and, and my desire to, like, make make things. Um, so, I, like, I can trace, you know, my desire to to make and fabricate, uh, you know, pre-college, but certainly I, I sort of bloomed or blossomed uh, as somebody who got really excited about building um, during my college years at Lehigh. And uh, and then I stayed on, and, and we built Zollner Art Center uh, during while I was a student here, and I was the uh, first technical director for the theater department when Zollner opened. Um, and I stayed for two years, and then I went away for uh, for grad school to get an MFA in design at uh, North Carolina School of the Arts. Um, and then I was invited to come back as a visiting, visiting professor. Uh, and in theater, teaching design for one year. It was a one-year visiting professorship. Um, and I hadn't really even considered coming back to Lehigh. I hadn't even really thought about what I was going to do after grad school. I had grand dreams of going to be a designer on Broadway or something. Um, and, uh, you know, in the absence of having another job offer, and, you know, I knew Lehigh and, you know, had obviously great respect for the institution and had fond memories of being a student here, I, you know, I couldn't pass that up. So I came back thinking it was a one-year stint. And then um, uh, at that time, AAD was building this new program called Design Arts that was kind of this collaboration between engineering and arts and sciences to kind of bring design into the engineering world a little bit. Um, and they were looking for a managing director who could kind of like manage the labs and spaces. And, you know, I was maybe getting a little disillusioned with theater at that time. Um, and so it was like, oh, this is a kind of interesting transition and let's try this for a little bit. And uh, and then that that position morphed and changed. And here I am, you know, 18, 20 years later, still at Lehigh doing similar stuff, but also very different stuff at the same time. That's an amazing journey when you think about it. It's uh, I, uh, I don't... I, what I'm finding through these conversations is that everybody's path is is different and everybody's path is, path is unique. Um, but when it comes to a job like yours, which itself in itself is fairly unique, 
it's interesting to hear that combination of of engineering and theater design. I think that's one of the things that makes Lehigh special too, don't you, in terms of our interdisciplinary kind of approach and that openness to being able to do two things like that at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, I'm so, uh, I have I find such an affinity for the students who kind of like blend, have, have feet in kind of both of those worlds, right? So, you know, our ideas program is great. I really, you know, the, those students and I click quite well because they, they, you know, they're not always necessarily design, but a lot of them like kind of live in both the engineering world and then somewhere in the humanities as well. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, interestingly, the very, and I don't know if people know about the Integrated Product Development or IPD program, um, which is now called TE Capstone, um, but it was IPD for, you know, 18, 20 years or something. Uh, that program started when I was a student at Lehigh, and I was in the pilot program of that. The first summer we ever tested it out, it was like, we're going to try this thing. We're going to put a bunch of students together working on industry projects, and we're going to see how it goes. Um, and that was like John Oakes and Beresford Booth and Todd Watkins were kind of the, the people who had started the program um, and it was cool. It was a great summer. We were doing really great stuff. And I think, you know, again, it like it planted that seed for me for this like, oh, there is a world where you don't have to just be siloed in this one thing. Um, and then, uh, you know, here I am, you know, 20 years later at Lehigh and I, you know, I'm an advisor for TE Capstone teams. I've been an advisor for IPD teams almost since I came back. Um, and so I, I work in that world all the time. And, and you're right. I mean, the path to get where I am, I could have, you know, 25 years ago, I could have never sat down and drawn the map to arrive at where I, where I arrived. And when I came to Lehigh, this position didn't exist. I mean, it, like, that's the amazing thing about Lehigh, right, is my time here, I was able to actually create the position I'm in. And I think Lehigh really has given me the latitude to um, kind of evolve both the spaces uh, that, I, that I manage and run um, and the programs that I'm in, involved in and, and it, like, just allowed my skill set to kind of, like, naturally sort of dissipate into those. So it's been uh, just amazing. I mean, I, can, I can't imagine working anywhere else. That's awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit more about what the work actually is. Um, so what is Wilbur Powerhouse? What are the design labs and, and what are the programs that you, that you do there? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I guess in general, uh, my goal is to have to create an environment where ev every student on campus can feel comfortable working in the physical spaces, right? Um, like fabricating things, making things. Uh, the maker movement exists. You know, we, we call the design labs maker spaces because that's that's really what they are. Um, so we have shops both on, in, on main campus uh, in the Wilbur Powerhouse. Um, and that includes our 3D printing lab and uh, the makerspace, which has things like water jets and laser cutters and vinyl cutters and vinyl printers and T-shirt printers and CNC mills, all sorts of really exciting, like, hands-on, including, like, hammers and chisels and, you know, all the traditional hand tools. Um, and then up here on Mountaintop, uh, we have a wood shop and a uh, uh, metal fabrication space where we can do welding and cut metal bending and cutting. Um, and also some digital tools like laser cutters and, and CNC routers. Um, and so that, that sort of collective of tools we call the design labs on campus. And uh, we try to make that as permeable a space as possible for the students. Um, there's clearly some, you know, liabilities and safety concerns with, you know, getting students hands-on with, with some of the tools. Um, but, you know, specifically the, the Wilbur space, we've, we've tried to curate a set of tools that are as easily accessible without any sort of preconceived knowledge or skill set as possible. Um, and part of that is also building out a student staff that's amazing. And I just couldn't do my work without them. They are phenomenal students. Um, I have about 50 work-study students who work for me. 
Um, wow. Do they come from all different areas? I, again, or? that's what I love about what I do. I have engineers. I have designers. I have psychology majors. I have chemists. You know, they really do run the gamut um, from backgrounds to majors to, you know, you, you name it. It's a really, really diverse group of students um, who are very passionate about making or very passionate about technology and really passionate about helping their fellow students. Um, so we kind of have this, uh, like, apprenticeship system where they come in their freshman or sophomore year, and we kind of train them. The upper class students kind of train them on how to use all the tools uh, and, and how to start to, to make things. Some of them come in with a lot of knowledge, and some of them don't come in with any knowledge. They just have a real interest and passion. Um, and then uh, we're there, and students can walk in and say, hey, I heard you had a thing, and I want to make this. Can you help me? And that's their, they just sort of become the ambassadors, and they walk them through how to use it. And you know, it, it's, a, it's kind of a phenomenal thing. And, and to watch it work and watch uh, other students' eyes just light up and, and like the enthusiasm they have for like, oh my gosh, I like left and, and here's this t-shirt that didn't exist before and I'm walking away with this t-shirt I made. This is amazing. Um, and then, you know, that runs the gamut from t-shirt to, to 3D printing to actually doing like, you know, high-end machining on a CNC mill. You know, they just things that they never thought they would have an experience doing in a college setting. And they're, they're doing it, whether it's for curricular purposes or not. You know, it's, it, we don't really like ask questions about why they're there. You know, here's these resources. You're a student here. You can, you can avail yourself of these. So. You know, it's pretty phenomenal. I didn't realize that. I guess I had thought it was maybe more formal that you had to be in a class or something like that. So what would you say, um, not that you, you know, want to pick your favorite children or, you know, anything like that. <laughs> what would you say is maybe the coolest thing that anyone's ever made in our in our uh, facilities? Oh, that's an impossible question to ask <laughs> uh, or, or answer, really. Um, you know, it it it's so diverse. It's students who are doing this really... You know, I had a, a student a couple of years ago who um, her temple had a, a, a person who was coming who liked to speak and they were wheelchair bound and they didn't have a um, lectern for them to, to stand at. And so she, she really got interested in furniture design. Um, and so she used the shops here to do a prototype of a lectern that, that actually grew in height depending on who was using it. Um, and so that was like phenomenal. And it was, it was beautifully crafted. It was beautifully made. It was beautifully designed. There's like some really wonderful engineering that was happening inside of there uh, that she wouldn't have been able to, 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 you know, to do, I think, without some of the resources we have here. So there's stuff like that that's just, you know, wow. Here you are. You didn't have any of a ba- no background in any of this before you arrived, and you know the la- one of the final things she did as a student was was making this thing. So that's pretty phenomenal, you know. And then we can really trace our roots back into the IPD program, and we start to see like uh, Ecotech Marine um, is a is a local company that kind of grew out of the IPD program, and a, and a student Tim Marks and and his uh, his fellow um, uh, collaborators. Uh, who grew this company kind of out of Lehigh. Um, in their early stage prototypes, a lot of that development happened in the design labs. You know, this is, again, going back to the very early days, like 20 years ago. Um, and, like, here they're making, they're, you know, it's a $50 million, $100 million a year annual business now. They're doing LED lighting, and they have this amazing aquarium uh, business going on. It's just kind of fabulous to see that. And uh, So it, it really runs the gamut. And there is, uh, there are um, a couple of pieces of furniture around campus that are kind of a special project of the heart uh, that you 
helped spearhead with other, with students too, right? Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, that's been a real labor of love of both myself and uh, my shop manager up here in Mountaintop, Michael Moore, um, who is a phenomenal craftsman, an amazing teacher, and uh, a really wonderful collaborator. Um, you know, this really grew out of Hurricane Sandy, and this is like. You know, some people don't even remember what Hurricane Sandy was, um, but it's still, I think it was 2015, I think, is, is when that happened. Um, and uh, I came to campus either later that afternoon after it had blown through Bethlehem or the next day, and I saw, like, these trees that I'd walked by as a student that I'd, like, admired as a, as a staff person here at Lehigh just blown over. I mean, these giant oak trees that have, that have been at Lehigh, and we, we went back and counted, and they were at Lehigh since before Lehigh was Lehigh, right? So they, they like, predate the institution. Um, and I have such a, you know... Maybe it's a little hokey, but I have such a a passion for wood, and you can like almost feel the history when you're when you're woodwork woodworking because this piece of material has grown over like you know hundreds of years. Um, and I thought, oh man, what a lost resource this is! And so I made a few phone calls, and the the um, they were Brickman at the time, um, and I don't uh, don't uh, don't remember what the company is that does the landscaping now, but they were cutting it up into firewood sized chunks. And I was like, oh my gosh, please stop. And I, you know, found the manager and, um, uh, they agreed to like set aside these like 12 foot chunks of tree. And I had to figure out how to like get them to a sawmill and all that stuff. So we, we went through all that whole process. We got them milled, we got them dried, we brought them back to campus. Um, and then I was like, well, what do we do with this stuff? Uh, and so at the same, at that time I was working with facilities on a couple of other projects and they said, Hey, you, you know, would you be interested in building some furniture for Williams hall, which we're just doing a renovation on? And I said, yeah, absolutely. I'll, you know, pull some students together. We, uh, we worked with some student designers. We came up with some designs and then used some of the, the tree pieces to, to make some furniture for that. Um, and made two tables on the fourth floor of Williams hall are still there, natural live edged tables. Um, and I think people really were like, oh, my gosh, these are beautiful pieces. They have this material that came from Lehigh, that whole story of, like, you know, this this wood that's been at Lehigh since Lehigh was Lehigh. Um, and then that has sort of spawned all these other all these other projects. Um, the the, uh, the Alumni Memorial Reception Desk, which kind of inhabits that space when you first walk into Alumni Memorial Building, that was a almost year-long project with a group of about eight students. Um, that took it all the way from design through engineering through fabrication. And so it's, a, it's an opportunity for us to, like, teach the skills that we teach on real projects. Um, but the, the legacy it leaves for the students is phenomenal. You know, they just say, like, oh, I can't wait 40 years from now. I'm going to bring my kids back here and show them this thing that I helped build while I was a student, you know. So it leaves this lasting legacy. Um, and since then, we've done, a, you know, the conference table in the president's office is ours. Uh, Steve DeWorth, the dean of engineering, has a conference table in his office that we did. Um, and uh, I think I can say this now because I don't think there'll be surprises by the time this airs, but we did uh, a departing gift for Pat Farrell, this little lovely corner table that was made out of a piece of burl that was attached to one of the trees outside Chandler that fell during Sandy. And uh, we did uh, two pieces for uh, John Simon. Uh, one is we did a replica of the um, presidential walking, ceremonial walking stick oh. um, that looks identical. I mean, that was a, we were super excited about that because it looks just like the original. We did a copy of that for him, and uh, we're making him a desk for his house that we're giving to him next, next week. Yeah. Okay. By the time this airs, he will have already, already received had it, it. and he'll be We gone. have not spoiled it for <laughs> That's right. uh, former President Simon. That's, That's right. very good. Um, 
That's just tremendous. How much wood do you have left? Do you still have a fair amount? We have a ton because what's since happened is every time facilities goes to take down a tree, they're like, hey, Brian, are you interested in any of this wood? And so we try to – we actually, I think, probably have more than we need right now. So we're, I'm saying, yeah, we're probably good. Um, but we have – in Building B up here in Mountaintop, we have a pretty large storage unit. And that's – we're just pulling from that. And it's, it's beautiful lumber. Um, it has such a, you know, tie to the university. So just waiting for good projects. <laughs> you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> Submit your projects to Brian Slocum. The Spotcast is brought to you by Lehigh Human Resources. If you like what you're hearing on the Spotcast, a Lehigh career could be right for you, and we're hiring. Current opportunities include administrative support, research development, admissions, advising, fundraising, and more. Learn about all of our open staff positions and apply today at go.lehigh.edu slash jobs. That's go.lehigh.edu slash jobs. Careers at Lehigh, where passion meets possibility. Um, so that's all tremendous. And, and uh, the interaction with the students on campus and in person, obviously everything that you do is about doing things physically, yeah. you know, um, and not virtually. So now we come to what happens when you have this job that's unlike anybody else's and uh, you can't really do it because we have a pandemic and nobody's allowed to come. Yes. To campus. Yes. Um, It uh, it was an interesting problem to have to tackle. Uh, I think actually early on in the pandemic, um, for those of you who don't know, we quickly switched gears. We worked with a couple local designers from Knoll and designed face shields that could be used for first responders and hospitals. And so actually the first three months of the pandemic, we kind of shifted focus from like academics to trying to serve the community. Um, you know, we're sitting on these 3D printing resources. I have, you know, 40-some 3D printers at my disposal. We have laser cutters, and so we kind of uh, took advantage of all of that. And when you hear, you know, we don't have PPE for all the people that need it and people are reusing their everything, we kind of jumped into the mix and said, what can we do? So we worked very closely with Lehigh Valley Hospital, St. Luke's, um, and some of the emergency management agencies both in Northampton County and Lehigh County. Um, and they're like, we'll take whatever you can you can make for us. So uh, I think at the end of the day, after about three or four months of production, we made about five thousand face shields. Um, that that and and Lehigh paid. You know, in Lehigh is amazing. They they paid for the materials, and we were able to do that kind of free of charge and hand them off. Uh, a lot of them went to Lehigh Valley Hospital. Some went to St. Luke's, and then the the balance of them went to the emergency management agencies, and ended up on ambulances and police officers' cars and and fire trucks. So you know, like, like it does your heart good to make you feel like you're you're doing a real impact. I mean, during that time, I was trying to do some. Um, like remote support, uh, I was working with our with our faculty to teach software, like design software, to the students, um, doing that virtually, and that was pretty manageable. Um, and then the like pandemic is like the reality of the pandemic sits in, and like, oh yeah, these students aren't going to have a experience working with any of this these tools, and, and what a shame. And so, the, you know, we did what we could as far as like virtual support and and. Um, uh, Mike and I spent a lot of time um, working with like our capstone teams and like the capstone experience in the second semester, which is right in the middle of the pandemic for us. Um, they are supposed to prototype and test these things they designed the semester before. And that's like a big part of their capstone experience. Um, and we were trying to wrestle with how are we going to make this happen? And so Mike and I ended up like turning into fabricators um, and 
it was a completely different experience, but I think ultimately really rewarding for everybody involved. So we would have a lot of like Zoom meetings in the shop where like one of us would be holding our phone and be trying to show them like, oh, this is what we're going to weld together. What do you guys think? Oh, we, you know, we have a question about this. We're not sure what you want to do here. Um, in, in many ways, I think for the engineers involved, it mimicked probably more what a real world setting would look like where they wouldn't, they're not going to be allowed in the shop to be fabricating these things. They're going to have to send drawings or plans to a fabricator and they're going to get back what they get back. Um, so I think that was like a new reality for us. It's like, oh, there is some value to being able to do this and provide this experience and kind of walk them through, oh, you know, this is the information you didn't give us. And these are the things that we need to know before we can make what you want us to make. Um, and some of it, was also the other side of that, which is like, whoa, you've given us this complete set of plans and you haven't quite figured out how this thing rolls yet. Can we can we take this back nine steps and start with like, let's just weld up a square frame and put some wheels on it and see what happens. Um, and so we did a lot of that. Um, we, we tried to maintain uh, our 3D printing support as well. So we kind of figured out a no contact pickup drop off solution. Um, I worked with a couple of my staff and got them special permission to be in the shops uh, uh, like all by themselves, uh, kind of like running water jet cuts. And then like people would drop off material. They would do the service for them, leave it where they could pick it up without any contact. Um, and so we had to sort of shift gears and be creative about how we approach some of those things. Well, given that creativity is a huge part of what you do, I guess it should be no surprise that you did find solutions, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, I, I hope we I hope we ended up doing justice to a Lehigh education for the students that were involved, right? I mean, my heart went out for these students who... You know, they're coming to Lehigh, and, and I think a big part of being Lehigh is being here on campus and having that experience. And so I think we were very empathetic to the reality that we were in and just trying to do everything we could to, to you know, salvage as much of the what, what we could offer as an institution for those students. Um, so I hope what we came up with was, uh, was a good solution. And I just want to stop for a second and say TE capstone means technical entrepreneurship, right? Is correct. that what the TE that is stands yep. for? Okay. Yep. And we have both a capstone course, which is um, all engineering students uh, in their junior, second semester, junior year, first semester, senior year have to take it. And we also have a master's program, which is a one-year intensive uh, master's program that goes kind of through the whole entrepreneurial process from kind of like ideation and creativity all the way through like uh, – design, prototyping, and then like funding, venture capital and, and IP and that whole thing on the other side. Um, so it's pretty comprehensive and a one-year timetable. Awesome. Um, so, so that got you through um, the spring. Now we're in the summer. <laughs> um, and uh, what are your thoughts moving forward now as we, as we kind of exit this moment that we're in and um, heading back uh, this fall with a full with a full campus. Yeah. Um, what do you take away from that? What do you keep? What do you? What are you happy to see in the rearview mirror? So I think what the pandemic did for us is we worked to put a lot of our training resources in a platform that could be accessed from anywhere. Um, so a lot of videos that we've done that are like this is how you use the software, this is how you use the interface, we're holding on to that. Because what we've realized in hindsight is there's a lot of repetition involved every time you have a new student who shows up that wants to use a piece of equipment. Oh, well, we have to take you through all of this basic information before you can actually get started with that. And um, that impacts how many students we can 
we can serve, you know, in the, in the, in, with our time and my staff's time and Michael's time. And so we spent a lot of time over the pandemic because we had some of that time to, to try to coalesce those resources into video format, into online training, into online quizzes, so that the bulk of that, like, repetitive interaction can be dealt with like, oh, you want to use this? Go watch this three-minute video first and then come back and we'll, we'll actually walk you through using it for your particular project. But we need to get this information across. Um, and so I think we're going to keep that. You know, it's, it's great. We've put the time and effort into, into making that happen. I think the biggest takeaway for me is like, oh, my gosh, I love working with students one-on-one. And Zoom is great. But, man, being in a room with students and the interaction that happens there is uh, something that I don't know that we ever – that I ever valued to the degree that I do now. Um, and this summer, I'm so fortunate to be working with Mountaintop Summer Experience. Um, I have a couple teams up here that I'm mentoring. Um, and, you know, I think all of us, the students, myself, are so have such gratitude for the fact that we can sit around a table and have a conversation and I can, like, grab a pencil and sketch on top of their sketches or we can like walk across the street and go into the shop or whatever it happens to be and have a, that experience. And I think for me, it's about not taking that for granted anymore. And I think probably being a, being a little bit more mindful when students ask for my time to realize what a blessing it is to be able to have the time and the ability to interact with them one-on-one. Um, so for me, that's, that's probably what the big takeaways are. I'm going to, uh, Switch gears a little bit and just ask you, what do you like to do in your free time? Uh, free time? What's that? Um, no, I am uh, so grateful. I have uh, three amazing children, one that arrived during the pandemic, so one who's pretty new. Um, and so, you know, a lot of my free time is spent being a family and uh, the greatest joy in my life. Um, so we, we do everything together. My wife and I have an amazing partnership. Um, we go hiking with the kids a lot. We have a lake house in the northeast corner of Pennsylvania. So we, you know, we like to unplug and kind of go up there and hang out at the lake and go hiking and be in the woods. And so those are most of the things that, you know, that I love to bike and cycle, uh, both road bike and mountain bike. So I try to do that when I can. Um, so that's, that's my, that's my free time. I used to build furniture in my free time and that has since, you know, no longer exists. I'm not a professional furniture designer anymore. And that's one of the joys of being able to make some of these projects at Lehigh because I get to kind of, you know, play at being a professional furniture designer again for a little while uh, with, with uh, some students um, in tow. So I enjoy doing that. But, but free time is definitely family time for me. And during the pandemic, that was really good to have, like, the bicycles and the, the, the nature thing. I'm... Um, I'm connecting the dots between all the conversations I've had so far for this season's episodes. And I'm seeing a lot of folks who tend to work either with technology or, you know, work with physical stuff who like to get away from that in their free time. Absolutely. I like to unplug more than I think anybody else I know. You know, I'd much rather like leave my cell phone behind and go into the woods and, you know, just commune with nature if I can. Um, And for me, the, the pandemic had a silver lining in that I had a daughter who was born uh, August 1st, you know, mid, mid pandemic. Um, and I got to spend a year at home. You know, I came into Lehigh once or twice a week, probably, but three days a week, I, you know, I got to watch her grow up through that first year of her life in a way I didn't get to do with my other two kids. Um, and so I'm so grateful for that. And on the weekends, I mean, all through the winter, even, 
we did Appalachian Trail. So, um, and you can't go very far when you have three kids and one of them's in a backpack. Uh, but we would do like two and a half miles out and two and a half miles back. But we would do a different section in Pennsylvania kind of every weekend. And we've been able to kind of like put together a 30-mile stretch now that we've done uh, over the course of the, the, the pandemic. So it's been great. And it's like everybody's like, oh, Saturday, what are we doing? Well, we know we're going to go hiking this weekend. So as long as it's not, you know, snowing or, you know, pouring rain, that's what we did. We went out. So delightful to just be away from Zoom specifically, staring at a computer. And that was really hard for me. You know, I stare at a computer a lot, but making that be the focus when you're used to being in the shop and, you know, helping students use tools to come, it was, it was really hard uh, to, to navigate that. Um, so it's so, so good to get away. And now you can put Zoom somewhat in the rearview mirror. Yes. But it, it's actually an incredibly useful tool, though, too. You know, when it's like, oh, this would be best if we could do it face-to-face. It's going to be really hard for us to make that happen. As long as I don't have to Zoom all day, a 15-minute or half-an-hour Zoom meeting, not a big deal now. And it's a, it's a great tool and one that I probably wouldn't have really relied on in the past. So, you know, again, there might be a, a few things we carry forward from this whole thing. So you were an undergrad here, and then you came back to work here, and you just kind of haven't left. Um, so you must know this campus very well. And so I want to know what your favorite spot on the Lehigh campus is and why. I don't have a single favorite. So Linderman Library is amazing. I have fond memories of just like losing myself in one of the study carols in the rotunda in Linderman. Um, And I still come back to that when I need to just find a little like quiet space. It's, you know, it's not that far away from my office to walk up to Linderman and it's nice to like pull a book or sit down with a laptop and, you know, have a new change of of environment. Um, So that's that's an amazing space. I love the Sacred Grove as well. Again, it's like that tree thing. I think it's like communing with nature as much as you can anywhere on campus. Um, uh, the trails up on mountaintop, obviously, as well. If there's, if I have a, if I know I have an uninterrupted hour for lunch, I'm, I can come time, sometimes come up and 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 hike a couple miles. Um, and then the tower. Every once in a while, I just like to go up to the tower and look at the valley from a different perspective because I think it's always a good reminder of how small we are when you start to see the world around us. Um, and I think the tower is kind of a, like one of the gems that people don't realize Lehigh has until you go up there and you're kind of like, oh, my gosh, I can really, you know, see the world from up here. So uh, sorry, it's like a, a kind of a cop out answer. I gave you four four responses. But I think for me, they're all special in their own their own way. Well, and I think that given the amount of your life that has been intertwined with Lehigh, you're, you're permitted <laughs> to have multiple favorites. So we'll, well let it you. go this time. I really appreciate you coming in and oh, spending some time with us. Thank you so much. Yes, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. The Spotcast is a production of Lehigh University Human Resources. The podcast is recorded in Lehigh's audio recording studio in Mountaintop Building C. Special thanks to Jarrett Brown of Library and Technology Services for technical assistance. I'm Hilary Kwiatek. Join us next time to see who we spot.